Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. So it's really, really good. Hey, before I get going, um, you know, tonight's family night. Hey, this is what tonight is about. If you're new or visiting to our church, can I just encourage you? You're part of a family here. And um, whether you like it or not, that's who we are. We're a family. And uh, you take the good with the bad. And we do what we can. But it's family night. So I just want to invite someone I love who's our family, part of our family, uh, to come up and pray. It's Matt Accurso. I want Maddie to come up here and pray for us just before I, just before I preach. He doesn't know about this, but it doesn't matter. We're brothers, so it doesn't really matter. Would you pray? Absolutely. God, we just thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house, God. We thank you so much, God, for the breath that you've put in our lungs, Jesus, that we can worship you, God, that we can know you more, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for the vision that you've set before us, God. I thank you for the mission that you've set before us, God. We don't take it lightly. We thank you, Jesus, that thousands upon thousands, God, are already turning their heads and going towards you, running towards you, God, because of the love and the grace and the mercy that you shower over this community. But not only this community, God, these veins are gonna spread, Jesus. They're gonna begin to go from state to state to state, from country to country, God, and you're gonna begin to change the globe, God, God, because your will is that all come to know you as our Lord and Savior. So we honor you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, God. We are so honored to be in your house, God. I thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Matt and Pastor Jill, God. We just pray, Jesus, for their life right now, God. We thank you, God, for them as parents. We thank you, God, for them as a couple, God. We just proclaim protection over them, God. We thank you that we can come alongside them, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that they surrender at the foot of your throne, God, and they keep you the one and only. So. We give you tonight, God. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, Jesus. And it's literally just a drop that we're seeing, God. There's so much more to come. So we claim in Jesus' name that we walk in you, God, that we walk for you, God, and that there are much bigger and better things ahead, God, because you're a good God. We claim all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man, that was a prayer right there. That was serious prayer. He's prophesying. Man, that's, that's amazing. Let's go. Did you bring your Bibles tonight? You're sitting next to someone you like because we can fix it real quick. If you, Okay, cool. Um, why don't you open up those Bibles and we're going to get right into it. Um, different, different message from this morning. That's the purpose of tonight is it's going to be different. Um, that's the idea is that you know, we're going to have family night Sunday nights when we do church. We're going to take this opportunity. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Acts chapter 16. Oh, there's the train, just in case anyone needs to get it. (laughs) Acts 16. We're actually going to continue where we kind of were this morning. So um, it's a little continuation of this morning's message. Man, that train driver, he is just on it. He's excited about passing the church right now. All right, so in Acts 16, in Acts 16, we we start, in Acts 16, this morning, we read from Acts 16. And this morning, we we read about 
Paul going to Philippi, literally being restricted from other areas and ending up in Philippi to preach the gospel. And a lady named Lydia gets saved and the church in Philippi um, begins and erupts. And it's really, really exciting. And, um, and then it goes a little bit further along. But who knows that whenever the gospel goes forward, there's, a, there's an enemy, there's an opponent that doesn't like that. That is opposed to that. It's kind of like when you want to fill a 4,000 seat amphitheater, there's going to be spiritual warfare involved. Make no mistake, anytime you want to take spiritual ground, there is going to be a response, there is going to be opposition. So I don't know about you, but I'm up for the fight. I've kind of reached a point in my life, my life where I'm like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's see, let's see God do some amazing things. And if it means we've got to go toe to toe, then let's do it. And this is kind of what happens in Acts 16. Paul and Silas, they end up in jail. And we pick it up here in uh, verse 25. It says this, along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn. I love that. A robust hymn. That feels like what we did tonight. A little bit of robust hymn singing in church tonight. They were singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe there is. Then without a warning, a huge earthquake, the jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in. Figuring that he was as good as dead anyway when Paul stopped him. Don't do that. We're all still here. Nobody's run away. And in verse 29, it says the jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out. I love that. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said this, put your entire trust in the master Jesus then you'll live as you, you were meant to live and everyone in your house included. They went on to spell out in every, de- every detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part. They never did go to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait till morning, was baptized. He and his, everyone in his family, there in his home, he had food set out for a festive meal. Sounds like family night. It was a night to remember He and his entire family, look at it, had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. I want to preach a message tonight called Radical Salvation. Radical Salvation. If you're taking notes, there's too many people still looking at me. You need to look down and start taking notes and write that title down. The message title tonight is Radical Salvation. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house to be a part of what you are doing. We love you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word, digest your word, be in your word tonight. Thank you that your word always speaks volumes to us. It always helps us, Lord, helps us move forward. God, we we love everything that's happening. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence this this evening. To come into your presence is no small thing. We don't take it for granted. Father, we thank you that as we sing songs, as we enter your gates and your courts, we're singing with praise. Lord, this isn't routine. We meet with you. We, we, we come face to face with you. It's, it's amazing, God. And we don't take it for granted. We love you so much. We pray tonight continues to be incredible. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Amen. Amen, amen to you too. Amen. 
I want to talk tonight about radical salvation. I feel like God's given me this word radical. I don't know how long you've been around in church life, but I remember the first time that someone mentioned that kind of term. They said something maybe about their own life. I can't exactly remember when I heard it for the first time, but I remember just being kind of like, whoa. Someone said, oh, I got radically saved. Well, they said it about something else. They said, man, that guy was radically saved. And I remember just thinking, what? Like, what does that mean? Radically saved. How does that work? What is that all about? And I began to learn, I began to understand what it meant. And really, what I began to realize is that's what happened to me. And that's what happens to you. When we get saved, there's something radical that takes place. There's something amazing that takes place. And I don't know if you need a definition for salvation. I'll, I'll give you one anyway. If maybe you're like, what does actually it mean to be saved? What does that actually mean? And I hope there are lots of people that begin to come to these night services that don't know Jesus at all because then we'll be, as Christians, we'll be doing our jobs. And there'll be people coming in here that don't know anything about Jesus. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, tell me about radical salvation because I have no idea what you're talking about. But to be saved means to be completely turned around. To be completely turned around. Salvation is this, to surrender your will completely to Jesus. That's what it means. And that's what I learn about. And we see it here in this story in Acts 16. Let me read it to you. He says, he led them out of the jail and he asked, he said, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to, to be saved? What does being saved look like for me? How does that take place in my life? What does it mean for me? And look at the answer. They said, put your entire trust in the Master Jesus. Put your entire trust, like, like not some of it. Not just like 50%, although that's a good number. You could maybe make it a little higher, 60%. You've got the majority and that's a good thing. No, the entire thing. Throw it all in. Everything you've got, everything that, that makes up who you are, your life, give it in its entirety to Jesus and you will be saved. And I love that picture because I'm like, man, like, thank you so much, God, for showing us what it actually looks like, what it actually means. It says he led them out of jail and he asked them, what have I got to do? What does it look like for me to be saved? To be radically saved. You know, I was radically saved. And I want to kind of lean on and sort of share a little bit about my journey tonight. Is that okay? Is that all right if I do that? But as I look back, I'm like, man, yeah, I absolutely did get radically saved. I was the guy who was like, what does that mean? And I'm like, what are you talking? Is this some churchy term? I need, to le- I need to learn the churchy language real quick. I need to get up to speed in the church dialect because I have no idea what that means. But what I began to learn was that was me. That happened to me. And maybe it was a long time ago since you got saved, but you need to remember tonight, and maybe God wants you to remember tonight that you were radically saved. Because there was a radical salvation that took place in your life that meant that you were saved. See, I was, I was someone who didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know, that might shock some of you. Um, because I'm obviously very holy. And I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about churchy terms like radically saved. 
I didn't know anything about that. I didn't even, like if you had to said what's salvation as, as a teenager, as even before a teenager, I would have no idea what you mean. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't have a, 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 an upbringing where, you know, I got taken to church. I got taught the Bible. There was no such thing as Sunday school. Like if, you could, if I could quickly get you up to speed on the context of Australia, but that, not, that is not commonplace. It's not commonplace. You kind of, it's a very, very, very worldly, very, very secular society. And people who come to churches like this, I'll be honest, when I grew up, that was considered weird. If you were one of these people, if, if like us, you were a weird person. You were straight up weird, and I probably didn't want to hang out with you on the playground. You definitely didn't play handball with me. So I didn't grow up in church. Didn't know anything about this life. Didn't understand anything about what all this means. And then one random Saturday night, 19 years of age, 2003, month of January, I end up in a church. I end up in a church and it's a church kind of just like this. It was a bit bigger and more people and had no idea what was going on. Didn't really understand everything. Saw people with raising their hands and I still remember People raising their hands and me thinking two things. First of all, was like, these people are weird. And the second thing I thought is, I kind of like it. Can we, is, can we have some honesty time tonight, family night? I was like, man, these people are weird, but I kind of like it. And I'm kind of interested in what's happening right here. But I'm going to fold my hands and I'm going to go to my seat. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to observe. But then something changed. I started to hear the message. I started to hear the gospel preached. I started to hear a message that was shaped around this idea that there was a savior, not just for everyone, but for me. And that there was someone who was interested in my life specifically. And for the very first time, I found out that you could have a personal relationship with God. And then can I, just think, can I just tell you, it did not take me very long to raise my hand when they did the call. It, in fact, it probably didn't take any time at all. I had my hand up. I was like, who wouldn't want in on this? <laughs> Personal relationship with God? The opportunity to connect with a God who apparently knows me, who apparently cares about me, who apparently, come on, can I get an amen, made me? So here I go from being in a place where I walk into a building just like this, see hands raised, people passionately singing and being like, these people are weird. What is this? To 35 or 40 minutes later being, I need this. And I was radically saved. Radically saved. Did I know what was going on? Absolutely not. Did I have a clue? Absolutely not. But I knew it was right. And I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. But something happened in that moment. I was changed forever. Something happened in that moment that I would never, ever, ever be the same. I was saved. Paul says it this way in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to put it on the screen. He says, so what makes us think we can escape, look at it, if we ignore this great salvation. Other translation says, how could we neglect so great a salvation? So amazing, this thing that God has done. So incredible, 
this opportunity called a life with God that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message. And I want to talk a little bit about this as well tonight. Confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose. Radical salvation beginning to be outworked in a believer's life. How powerful is that? How incredible is that? I don't know about you, but that's something to get excited about on Sunday night, family night. We're radically saved. And it changes everything. So number one tonight, and as usual, you know, three points, just the way it is. <laughs> I was at a conference the other week, and this was calls with Jason and... Uh, I loved what I said. It said that, you know, it's what we do. Three points, we shoot threes. That's just what we do. <laughs> so we're going to shoot some threes tonight. Number one, here we go. What is radical salvation? What does it mean? Number one, it means radical new desires. I'm just, I'm just going to tell the truth tonight. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil because there's, pe- there's people out there who don't understand this. There's people out there that are still like me, the way I used to be, think all oh, this is just a w- weird thing. All this is like an emotional kind of, um, you know, mountain that people climb and go on. It's really just, you could just go out in the field and just scream into the, to the sky and you get the same effect as you do in church. No, we connect with the God who created us. And when we get saved, it means we get radical desires. Things change. Here's what happened to me is my desires changed. My desires changed. When I got saved, my desires changed. It says that he led them out of jail. Look at what it says. He and his entire family put their trust in God. I love that there's like this action to it. Where here's this jailer, this Philippian jailer, this this guy who is just doing his job, probably a complete enemy of everything that Paul represented, probably completely loyal to the authority that he was under, and it says that he went and got them and led them out. Yeah. You know, it was almost just like, he was just like, no, I'm going to put in some effort here. I'm going to like, let's, let's go, come on. You know, and that's what happens when we get saved. Something changes us where we're like, actually, I want to go and do something different. Radical new desires. Something changes with our lives. Psalm 37, talking about desires that change. Psalm 37, trust in the Lord, this is verse three, and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Look at it in verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Have you ever thought about that verse maybe being the desires that he puts in your heart? Not your own desires? See, here's the thing I believe about getting radically saved is he changes your desires out. That all of a sudden things that, that you used to really want, you no longer want. The things that you really desired and wanted to see in your life and would have done anything for, all of a sudden, because you've come, in, come into contact with Jesus, over here means over here you no longer really want that anymore. And it's amazing. It's powerful. You don't want to go back to the old way that you used to live. I used to live a certain way before I met Jesus. I was at an age, I was 19, I was beginning to just sort of see what the world had. One thing I love to do on a Friday night, a Saturday night, I mean, let's be honest, any night, was go down downtown in Sydney, the, the, the downtown area of Sydney, and go out, nightclubs, bars, see the nightlife, just see what was going on. I wanted to see what the world had to offer. I was at that point in my life. 
And then I met Jesus and something changed. I just didn't want to do that anymore. My desires, my wants, my, 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 my choices, my, my thinking, it was just like, I don't really want to do that anymore. There was a wholesale change that happened in my life. There was this complete radical change, this new desire that God put in me, and I'm grateful for that. So what does it mean to be radically saved? I think there's radical new desires. The second thought is this, there's, there's a radical way of living that takes place. Radical salvation means radical way of living. The way you live is different. The way you go about life changes. Everything is different. Here's a couple of thoughts I have is you want to serve Jesus and you want to serve others. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I didn't want to do that. Is this making sense tonight? Am I just preaching to myself? I'm happy to preach to myself. I actually quite like doing it. But I didn't want to serve Jesus and others before I got saved. But after I got saved, that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's exactly what I wanted to be, to, to be about. After I got saved, I'd do anything for, for God. I felt like I was led to a place where I just had this willingness to want to help other people out. To want to be a part of whatever God was doing. See, that's radical living. There's something that happens when we get radically saved. It equates to radical living. It equates to a radical way of seeing the way you could live life. The early followers of Jesus in first century Christianity, they were called followers of the way. They were called followers of the way. They weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. People that went on the way. What was the way? Jesus' way. Here's a thought for you tonight. If maybe you look at your life and you're like, man, I'm not really living radically, Matt. Here's a thought for you tonight. Familiarity will kill radical living for Jesus. Familiarity will kill it, will destroy it, will wipe it out in your life. If you become familiar with the things of God, with church, with you know, that expectancy, do you come to church expecting things? Do you come to church expecting God to move? Do you come to church like, man, I know last week was great, but who knows what God could do this week? I came in here tonight thinking, man, we're going to do a whole lot of worship. I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder how God's going to move. I wonder how the Holy Spirit's going to touch someone tonight. And I can't wait to hear about it. See, his radical way of living. Because Jesus focused radical living, it's not boring. Familiarity is boring. Being accustomed and used to something and, oh yeah, that's the way we normally do it. See, that's, that's not radical living for Jesus. It's kind of the opposite. It's kind of like that spirit of who knows what God's going to do. Whichever way God's going to take me, I don't know where this, is, where this whole thing called life is going to go. And that's what happened to me. I remember just being in this complete tailspin and just being like, but I had everything together. Does anyone feel me tonight? I had everything together. I had a plan. I had it all laid out. I had four years of college education. I had this potential thing I was going to do. I even, to, to some extent, I thought the street that I would work on for the rest of my life, where all the, the companies were, all the firms were, I thought that was the street I'll probably end up working on for 40 years. But God was like, ha, that's funny. That's cool. It's cool you think that way, but this is what I got for you. Yeah. Being radically saved means this expectation that there'll be radically radical way of living. I had this kind of life that I got thrust into and I never saw it coming, but I was just at church all the time. 
after I got saved. I went from never going to a church like that ever in my life to Monday night. Actually, a Monday night I didn't go because I was normally having dinner with my family. But Tuesday night, this is as a 19-year-old, radically saved, Tuesday night connect group, Wednesday night youth group, Thursday night team night, Friday night young adults, Saturday night, Saturday night church, Sunday, six services on a Sunday. I don't know about you, but that's a radical way of living right there. Being up for whatever God has for me. But my desires changed. I didn't want to go downtown anymore. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be where Jesus was. I wanted to be where the Spirit of God would be. I wanted to be around the community of believers that I knew were pushing me in the direction of my destiny. And that's what church is supposed to be about. Radical salvation means a radical way of living. And I wonder tonight if that's your testimony right now. I wonder tonight if that's, that's what you could say about your life. Or maybe have you let familiarity creep in to be the kind of thing where I mean, I remember just all kinds of the night going with my buddies to random places just to pray. Just to pray. Just to pray over our future. Just to pray over our church. Just to pray over, you know, one of our friends is trying to get a job. We would just do crazy, radical things that made no sense at all, but made perfect sense at the same time. Radically saved. So... And my last is this, is radical salvation means radical surrender. Radical surrender. Because this is what I've come to understand about, is about God is he, he saves us, but then <laughs> He calls us. He saves us. He, he brings us into a family, to the family of God. And, but then something begins to, to happen. You ever notice how strong the spirit of self is? Like the spirit of self, like, like myself, like I feel like that spirit can be pretty strong at times. Like I can just really want to do what I want to do. And sometimes there's that battle going on, but I just love the way God works as He says, okay, I'm going to save you. And it's kind of like we start right here and He says, come into the family. Here you are. And it's like, it's all good. It's all good. It, oh man, it's just like worship's amazing. Every song, you're just like, oh my gosh, mighty to save, oceans. Oh, it's incredible. People are giving me prophetic words. You know, it's just like, oh, it's incredible. I'm saved. And then God says, okay, now you need to go. He saves you, but then he says, now I need you to go. And as we go, it's not like we go and just allow our spirit of self to lead. As we go, he says, no, but as you go, you have to surrender. And then you get to the next place. And while we camp out here, and I love the way us humans are, we just love to camp out in a nice, comfortable place. And it's great. I'm right here. It's awesome. But then says, God says, no, I need you to go. Yeah, this has been great here. And, you know, we've seen breakthrough and man, like it's awesome. You got that promotion and maybe you built that business. You had that success. And yeah, I did a miracle in your life, but now I need you to go. And radical salvation means radical surrender. And that's when we again say yes. And we say, you know what, God, you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't surrender earlier. Okay, I'm going to go. And then we go to the next place. 
And this is what I've come to learn after being a Christian for 18 years is there's no point at which we get to surrender and that's it. There's always more surrender. There's always more opportunity. There's always a deeper place that God wants you to go. Can I just encourage you tonight? doesn't matter how long you've been saved. There's always a better place God wants you to go. There's always a deeper level He will take you to if you're up for the journey in Jesus' Name. It's called radical salvation. But God wants you to go on the journey tonight. See, my question tonight is this, is what is your radical? This is the last time I'm going to sit down, I think, and then I'll just get back up again. (laughs) But my question tonight, and like I said, this is kind of just family night, but I want to ask you this question. What's your radical right now? What's your radical in this season? What's your radical in this moment? Here's a thought for you. That Philippian jailer, whose life and eternity would never be the same again, he probably didn't wake up that morning thinking all that would take place. He woke up that morning thinking it was just a regular day. And you might today think today is just a regular day. But I want to encourage you. What is your radical? What does that deeper level of surrender look like for you? What could it be that God is saying, put it down? And let's go to the next place. And I pray tonight would be maybe the type of night where you begin to confront that thing. Maybe things have begun to get, have, have gotten familiar. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. Is you're like, yeah, church is doing this night church for the first thing. And on the outside, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm coming because of that. But really on the inside, you're coming because you just want to go deeper. You actually showed up here tonight because you really get the sense that Jesus is leading you to a deeper place. Can I just encourage you, lean into that? That's radical salvation. We got this friend back at home in Sydney, his name's Serge. And I love Serge. I have no idea how old Serge is now, probably what, like 75? You don't want to say because you're a bit high. Dial it back, 70. But we got this friend called Serge and he's a pastor in the church that I got saved in. And of all the people that I've come across in church life that would have very, probably all the good excuses to say, oh, I don't want to go to night church. I don't want to go to the six services this week. I don't want to be a part of Wild Man. I don't want, you know, I don't need to be there. I've been to so many, but he's the exact opposite. His attitude and his spirit is, man, I don't want to miss a thing God is doing. I want to go to whatever deep level God takes me to because I know when I go there, He will show up. He will build me up. He will speak to me. He will heal me. He will, there will be breakthrough. He is the type of person that is just absolutely fired up for God. And He's someone who's seen a lot. Like He's done that journey a whole lot longer than I have. He's done that, that journey a whole lot longer than I ever have. And I don't know about you, but when I get to that point, I want to be just like that. Because radical, radical salvation is not getting to a point where we're like, oh, I've kind of seen it all. I'm good. It's the complete opposite. And the thing I've noticed about people that are radically saved, the older they get, the more they're dependent on Jesus. The more they're willing to say, you know what? I actually don't have it all together. I need Jesus more than anything. I need Him more today than I needed Him yesterday. And I'm going to need Him tomorrow more than I need Him today. And that's just the way life is because that's exactly the way God designed it to be. Radical salvation. 
And I want our church, our people, our community to be known as a type of people that are radically saved and living out this salvation life because that's what it really is all about. It's not about being comfortable. Can I just help you for a second? Comfort needs to go out the window. There will be moments when it's great and it's enjoyable and yeah, we get to just stop and enjoy it. But comfort is not really part of the deal. Comfort needs to go. And maybe you're at the point where you're like, man, I'm pretty comfortable actually. Things are pretty good. Can I just encourage you? God wants you to move through that comfort. He wants, to may, he wants to maybe take that comfort away just for a moment so you can experience a greater level of breakthrough, a greater level of surrender, a greater level of maybe God's voice speaking to you. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard God's voice. Can I just encourage you? Let's get a little uncomfortable. Let's be the type of people that are willing to get radical in Jesus' name. Team, you can join me back up, but I want to pray for us tonight because this is what I believe, is that God wants us to get radical in here. God wants us to go to a radical place a radical way of living, a a radical way of surrender, a life that looks so much different to maybe what the world wants to sell us. And this is what I've learned is that we can actually go there if we want, but we can also not. I'm just going to say that again. We can go there if we want, but we can also not. And I don't want to not go there. I'm willing to put my hand up and say, I want to get uncomfortable. I want to go there. I want God to speak to me like He's never spoken to me before. I want to experience breakthrough like I've never experienced before. I want to see miracles like I've never seen miracles before. Come on, can I get a witness in church? Is anyone else up for that? Or is it just me? Come on, let's stand. Let's stand together. Let's believe together. But what is your radical tonight? And we got some time. The great thing about doing one night service is not another service after this, so we can just keep going. We're not restrained, but hey, what's your radical tonight? What does it look like for you? Maybe you just being here tonight is radical for you. Can I just say, you're awesome. You're amazing for being here. Maybe it's not, it's not your norm to get out of the house on a Sunday night, maybe the, you know, before a school, school day or whatever, and you're just like, man, this is actually pretty radical for me, and I'm just like, just, you know, it's, this is actually pretty radical. You're awesome, and I'm pumped for you. But I wonder what your radical is. Maybe it's because you, you, need to, you just know God's saying you need to be in His Word more. Maybe you need to eradicate some things in your life. Maybe you need to move some things out to allow God to fill your life in with His stuff, the ways of God, the way God moves. Maybe there's, there's some relationships. If we're honest today, we know we need to, get, we need to just move that to the side. We need to put that thing on hold and say, you know what? I need to focus on my relationship with Jesus before I focus on this relationship with you. Can I just encourage you? That's radical in Jesus' name. That's radical. Maybe you're in here tonight and it's like, you know, actually, I've I've never actually tithed. I've never really put God first. I've never trusted God with my increase. Maybe that's radical living for you. But I really want us to lean into that tonight. So let's bow our heads. Come on, let's do this. Let's do business with God tonight. Let's not... Let's not leave this place. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you. 
and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.